What is going on? You are listening to Tag's podcast, aka Talk About Gay Sex Podcast. This is episode 304, and I'm your host, Steve V, alongside Jeremy Ross Lopez. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. A little hungover, I hear. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fun, fun, fun weekend. Joining us, of course, tonight is Cody Maurice Doggett. I love the three names you're giving me. How are you? Yes. Hello, darling. I'm doing well today. I'm doing great. It's a gloomy We're- Monday. I thought it was Sunday for a second. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, don't get it twisted. Sunday was gorgeous. Yes, it here. was. I don't know how it was in Massachusetts. but Yeah, it was, it was like, kind of shitty here. The rain already got here. Okay. Oh. Yeah, so a drizzle came by, and it was, like, in between sunny and rainy. Yeah, and here in New York, it was gore. I mean, gorgeous. I know, yeah. Cody, you were working on music. <laughs> Yes, I might have been doing a little something. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Uh Anything you can share at this point? It was such a great experience. I actually shot a video on Sunday. and uh, You were the love interest, yes. I was the love interest. I had my shirt off. We were, we... You know, we were doing a damn thing. We simulated a little bit of sex. My mom was like, "Are, did you, are you doing porn? I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> more importantly, more importantly fans, what did right? Joe think of, of this? I mean, I know it's all acting and all that. It's but all if, acting. Yeah. But what did your boyfriend think of this? He, so... Uh, we there was some kissing that was involved, but it was oh, just act, okay. you know in acting you do a little like a pet kind like you do your grandma basically. <laughs> you but, know what's really yeah, but did you how far did you go? Because you know back in the day I was and I watch a lot of old movies every so often when I just want to zone out. And back in the day the whole thing was no tongue. No if you tongue. look at some of the old black and white films, you can totally tell it's like two people putting their lips pressed up against each other and just moving them around and it's so like not the way people really kiss couldn't be more like banal and icky than a real kiss so yeah but now i've noticed they kind of do sometimes i've noticed real like the l word i watch on showtime Uh they're they're showing the tongue child Yeah, yeah definitely oh for sure i think at one point a, a, a tongue mm. might have gotten, but it wasn't from me. It wasn't from my um, perspective. It wasn't from me to anybody <laughs> else. It was from somebody else to me. And I had to, he's very respectful, the artist that I worked with. So I just had to, as I let him know where my boundary was. And then he's very respectful. So that was that. Yeah. No more tongue That's after that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the reality of those things, I'm sure you can attest, is that they're so clinical because you're just really trying to work with the director to get the best shot. And exactly. it's not at all like what it, you're trying to achieve. But it wasn't yeah, as well, sexy as people think it is. No, no. Yeah. And I was out and about in New York and I, I love when the weather's perfect in the fall. It's not too hot. And everybody i was just so looking at everybody like so many beautiful people it was just swivel head city for me and i loved it uh i couldn't get enough of it but today it's rainy a good day to record mm-hmm. and so yes. i don't know if you guys have noticed but facebook instagram and whatsapp are all down did you guys right? notice that already oh, yeah i have sure. noticed that for over six hours, they have been down, and no one seems to know if it's based on a whistleblower that came out. Um, according to Mark Zuckerberg's personal wealth has fallen by more than $6 billion in a few hours, knocking wow. him down a notch on the list of the world's richest people after a whistleblower came forward and outages took Facebook Inc.'s flagship products offline. But no one knows really if any of it's related to any of these things going down. And a lot had to do with the whistleblower claiming that Facebook essentially knew that what they were putting um, online affected, particularly could cause harm to teenage girls' mental health and misfortune but based on things that they knew. So in other words, if you, all of us really, if you liked something, you would potentially get things. We all know how it works on those platforms. If you like something, 
you're going to get more of those ads in your feed, which mm -hmm. could potentially be harm, harming to you. And we've talked about it on this show before. If like I tend to not spend very much time on there because I notice as Cody, you and I were going to talk about it on an upcoming show about body dysmorphia. We all yes. know in our LGBTQ world that body image plays a huge part in what, how we, you know, kind of develop. And I always think of our young LGBTQ world as like, maybe we're getting to 2.0 now in the education of a lot of things. And I think it can be detrimental in so many ways. And it turns out that Facebook knew a lot of what they were doing. And so yes. that's one thing. No one can really speculate right now if it has anything to do with, because Facebook owns obviously Instagram and WhatsApp. Yep. Um, the only sad thing I can think of is that like people use WhatsApp a lot for communication. And so for that to be down, that's kind of a big deal. Don't you think? I mean, did you guys try it and notice that it was down? I did. And I, at first I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, you always think that it's just your phone. Yeah, yeah then right, I'm like, right. Like, then what I'm the like, fuck is going on with my phone? <laughs> and then I'm like, there's not really anything that I need to see anyways. And then I just switch back to work and TV in the background. I'm curious. Do you guys... Cause Facebook, I don't really use that much anymore. And I learned for a while there for our show that kind of pick a social media to kind of, you know, we only have so much time and we don't have like a social media person working. It's me. You're looking at them. You're hearing them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is they say is pick one. That's why I'm always saying DM us at Tags Podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, Facebook doesn't always get a good return, and I don't I could care less about it. It's been more <laughs> like nonsensical to me at times. I don't know how, what your guys' feeling on that. And lastly, before I hear you guys, I was I was my friend's friend. She's a she just got a scholarship to NYU on a dance scholarship, and she's super super talented, seventeen Yay. years old. And I asked her what are what do you use, and she's like. TikTok, mostly Snapchat, and lastly would be Instagram, but she did not mention Facebook. What What's your guys' thoughts on it, Jeremy? Um, so I pretty much just use uh, Instagram, but I do sometimes uh, scroll through Facebook, and it ends up being like so many ads at this point that I just become uninterested quickly. So I definitely spend more time on Instagram stories looking at that, and then also looking at TikTok. Yeah, Cody, what's your thoughts on it? And what do you use? And Yeah, um, so initially when, when it went down, I was like, oh my God, did I forget to pay my bill? That was my first thought. <laughs> <laughs> Delinquent, <But> Facebook. <laughs> right? So <laughs> afterwards, I, I just went to Twitter. That's Those are my two primary ones. I use, I use Instagram the most, and then I go to Twitter. I don't really like post on Twitter a whole bunch. But I do scroll through Twitter and I see posts by other people and I don't really engage very much on Twitter. But that's where everybody Well, can went you after repost? I tag you half the time on Twitter and you do not repost. So <laughs> I should I don't know have known that about. was coming. Uh -huh. <laughs> the other thing about Twitter, like when I'm on, a, I have to be careful because on Twitter I do follow some porn stars or only fans guys on there and you uh -huh. have to be careful if you're scrolling around like on an airplane or in a cafe because you might be going you know you've got i don't know somebody from the view and then you've got like abc news and then you've got like a big dick in your face getting a like, dp going down dp yeah. going down <laughs> and all in the same news cycle twitter feed and it's like oh, oh hello hello hold on <laughs> hold on very scary yeah well all right we'll see what's going to go on with all that because i'm sure people are freaking out right well, now because it. it's it's the longest i think it's been down so we'll have to see on that um Okay, well, there's some good news to report. Bretman Rock makes history as the first gay Playboy cover star. Yes. And he's Filipino, you guys. Yes. For Playboy to have a male on the cover is a huge deal for the LGBT com community and for my brown people community. And it's also surreal, said Rock on social media. He, he's an influencer. Essentially, Playboy has revealed its first out gay cover star, social media influencer, Bretman Rock. And he's 23 years old. 
on the October digital issue of the magazine because apparently now it's all digital. And in the full Playboy Bunny gear, he wore lingerie, platform shoes, bow tie, and bunny ears. And Playboy wrote in a statement on its website that Rock has joined the ranks of Kate Moss, Dolly Parton, Kylie Jenner for donning the legendary Playboy Bunny suit. So he's amongst those people. And although he's not the first male identifying star to wear the suit, he is in good company of the likes of Steve Martin, Ezra Miller, Paul Rudd, Johnny Carson, Burt Reynolds, and Flip Wilson, who have all borrowed elements of the trademark costume, some even going as far as to wear the full suit, the company said in a statement. And he's become only the third man to appear in the cover of Playboy following Puerto Rican singer uh, who I love, by the way, Bad Bunny, rapper, oh. yeah, and Playboy founder Hugh Hefner. Playboy okay. further clarified to the advocate that The Rock is the first male to appear on the cover in the iconic suit. So it's a big first, and I love that he's Filipino, American, and I don't know if you guys had a chance to see the cover. Jeremy, did you get to see it yet? Of course, I absolutely loved it, and he's wearing Versace platforms. Oh, I knew you would know. I knew (laughs) you would know. How about the corsets? Love it. I love his hair. I love all of it. it. It's a really cool shoot. Cody, what do you think of this being a first? Because Playboy, we have to talk about, yes, they've had like Bad Bunny. I love how they had Bad Bunny on Playboy, you know, a fun they tend they're embracing obviously because if you think about it playboy used to be for straight you know straight Uh white males and obviously they've had to change with the times like everybody else i mean obviously we know anna wintour and vogue changing with the times putting non modely modely people on the cover and Mm -hmm. getting flack for it you have to change with the times but for Playboy, which was known as r- sexual, uh, you know, to stimulate white men, I think mm-hmm. in general, this is kind of a big deal to put a Filipino gay male in a bunny suit on the cover of this iconic magazine. Oh, for sure. It just goes to show that finally people are starting to recognize that there is more than one type of beauty. And Playboy is so, it, this is boundary breaking right now because they put a man on Playboy. That, that's, that's astronomical to me. I, could, I can't believe it. It makes me go want, want to go out and support them right now. So I, I'm all for it. You just got to go online, yeah, and get it because it's it's all out there. And I think that's kind of the cool factor too because I think Playboy back in the day could go under the radar. And I remember it used to be somewhat naughty for even straight men to get it although it could be found in your local magazine store Mm -hmm. now you can reach so many more people okay maybe not instagram right now but (laughs) you can reach so many more people virally and make a huge difference and i think as we continue to say on this show we continue to see great examples of pushing the boundaries of our lgbtq growth but we also i mean i could counteract this story with the amount of hate crimes that are on the rise for our lgbtq community and it's just i mean it's interesting how we continue to see both happening in unison does that surprise you jeremy when you hear that that you know there's as many hate crimes there's so many hate crimes on the rise but then you we're pushing our boundaries on another front yeah it's still it's not surprising because i think there's just so many ways and platforms to get out and spread uh, negative energy and negative thoughts and vibes and all that shit. But I also think that we are so progressive in so many facets that it's really great to see. And I'm very happy that it's everything's becoming more normalized and less of like shock value. Me as well. Yeah, I just think it's so cool. I will post this if you haven't checked it out already on taxpodcast.com. There's a little video that goes along with it of him strutting around and he looks so awesome on it. And congratulations to him because what a great feat. Yes. 
Well, all right. We have to talk about um, Alex Gardner. Alex Gardner uh, is a gay man. There's a great advocate story. I will post this on tagspodcast.com to read the whole thing. But essentially, he is a gay man. He says that gay men living with HIV had to call, had, keyword, cultivate sexuality while encountering stigma, rejection, and criminalization. He writes that my new sexual frontier was teeming with opportunities, but it also meant, this is kind of when he first came out as HIV positive, but it also meant navigating stigma and fear within our community. There are persistent and insidious beliefs that people living with HIV are stupid, reckless, or whores. Studies show none of that is true. The advent of gay dating apps made it easier to find other pause guys but it also meant dealing with explicit HIV phobia in men's profiles with requests like clean, UB2. Having to regularly confront stigma can have a profound impact on one's mental health and sex life. And I really like this story and it was drawn to it because of that last line. Yes, we all know you equals you now and we all are in an age of prep and Truvada and I think there's less stigma, but I don't know that we've dealt with a lot of perhaps maybe the mental health that if you were positive 10, 15 years ago and beyond the stigma that you could still be dealing with. He says that there is also the structural stigma that still needs to be dealt with, such as HIV criminalization, because in the U.S. there's over 30 states that still criminalize HIV in some way, shape, or form. It's difficult to overstate the detrimental impact of such policies. And for many, fear of arrest and prosecution infects all parts of their sexual lives. Lastly, gay men living with HIV have had to cultivate a sexuality while encountering stigma, rejection, and criminalization. We've also had to navigate feelings of guilt and shame around their status. Yet through it all, we persist, he writes. We pursue a fulfilling sex life and explore meaningful connections between HIV-positive men and in doing so, create a sense of community. Great article that he wrote. Um, it's interesting. Do you think that there, that viewpoints have changed over time about HIV status, Cody? And what are your thoughts about when, do you think that we're really dealing with some of the mental impacts that some people living with HIV could still be dealing with? I 100% think that the, the, every, uh, societal, what people think in society about as far as what the stigma that HIV positive people face is changing and it's growing, especially with the U plus U equals U undetectable equals untransmittable that has, has made leaps and bounds as far as changing people's minds about HIV. I know personally, I have dated people who were positive and it has it has grown since back in, in the 90s when I first started dating people. Because I dated someone in the 90s that was HIV positive. Yeah, so did I. I want to yeah. hear your thoughts on that. How did you... You obviously didn't run away from him, which I, I know... I didn't run away with, from him, but he ran away from me. So it was, oh. it, was, it was scary for both of us, but we faced it head on. And then eventually it kind of just petered out because he, he wasn't ready to deal with it. And just the stigma and the things that of of being positive, what he was going through mentally, and he just decided to leave. And I mean, I would still like to see how he is, how he's doing right now. Or, but I, I don't even, I have lost contact with him. So, yeah, it's interesting, Jeremy, because I was even just recently, I was talking to a longtime friend of mine who stayed with me all weekend. We just we worked together back in the early 2000s in the event industry. And I was telling her a story. I was trying to get my new medication of Truvada delivered using capsule, which I use as delivery uh, service. And she's like, and I was, and our other friend was with us and she over, she's like, wait a minute, are you HIV positive? And almost the horror, not horror, but 
the nervousness in her voice that the fact that I could potentially be HIV positive mm-hmm. really permeated me. And I, I, had, I said, no, no, it's, it's preventative so that I won't hopefully become HIV positive. And so that's why I take it. But just the sheer way she said like it. A, I know she worry. didn't mean it. Yeah, yeah, and I did not clock her on it or anything like that. I just think that even today, um, I mean, I guess if somebody did tell you, you would say that. It just sounded a little fearful in her voice. And not only did I have to calm her no not but what if i was how what would that even mean and right do you know what i mean and have you ever been in that moment and do you think we're changing at all with some of our viewpoints on some of this stuff jeremy i think that uh it it's slowly changing and i think that it has changed over time but i think that it still has a ways to go uh, I think that it can only go up from here. And I do think that more people are educated. And I think uh, having things like just little things like the Discovery commercials on TV and yeah. and stuff like that does help people that wouldn't uh, likely know about it. Like, so say a heterosexual uh, couple, they would have no idea about it. And maybe things like this definitely help like destigmatize something that's been so ingrained or frowned upon in the past. I agree. And you know, what's interesting. Yeah. I think what's interesting about that is, yeah, I think if you're a progressive person watching pose or you're watching RuPaul drag race, when it's on logo, you're Mm going to see, and plenty of people, plenty of studies have shown that a large, hetero female population watches rupaul's drag race right mm-hmm. yeah. so they're getting the message and or progressive the, the people stars that have come out as hiv positive like billy porter and uh but JPN, that's all like Jonathan that's new too though yeah. you know this is all new so you know what i'm hearing and what i'm thinking right now is that i think a lot of change of stigma is happening within our own community which is really cool mm-hmm so for us to, I know you said, Cody, you would date somebody, you dated somebody in the 90s. So did I. And yeah. I remember him telling me, I'm, he actually said, I had a couple of people that I dated and one of them used to use the term, I got the bug. Oh my Did you goodness. ever hear, hear that? I got, I got the bug. Oh, and they said it. Heart. Yeah. And they would say it to me as a divulgence of almost looking at me to see what my reaction was going to be. Like, am I going to like literally bolt? Yeah. And I remember both times I was like, no. And I don't know if it was just me being naive or just, I think I grew up so much with HIV and fear of getting tested and knowing that it probably could be me at any point in time. So how could I then judge anybody else? And I just went, I was like, no, let's, We'll just be safe and continue Mm -hmm. practicing safer sex practices. But what I've noticed is that our community is changing within the community, the LGBTQ. And then if you happen to be progressive and watch Pose or some uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, you're getting the message, which is cool. But the larger aspects, like I know my friend, she doesn't watch any of those and she would be concerned for me. And that's why her tone, even when she asked me, are you HIV positive? And almost like I just stated it like that was a little jarring. And I know she didn't mean it in any way and I didn't take any offense to it, but I still mm-hmm. think that shows me that we still have an, a, a little bit more road. And that's oh, why yeah, articles yeah. like this are important to come out. Of course it's in the advocate, right? But I think maybe some of these ads should be on more mainstream platforms too. And we need more and more room reminders of how definitely yeah normalize this yeah because you can live that it is all of the hiv advertisement and as at least come combating hiv and preventing it is aimed at gay people at large why isn't it directed i don't know if it's directed more at straight people i i'm not a straight person i can't speak for them so <laughs> well but, yeah that's an interesting point and i think most of the advertisement has been if you're 
if you become HIV positive, and a lot of it oftentimes is towards people of color, there yeah. is hope out there. There is talk to your doctors. And if you don't have insurance, there are means and ways and to get people that you can live a healthy, fruitful, long standing life, just like everybody else. And so mm -hmm. I think those were those ads are coming in. We're also talking about the pharmaceutical companies, which are trying to get their medicines out there, which have money to gain, right? So let's mm -hmm. not kid ourselves why they're throwing it out at the, the pharmaceutical companies do not care whether a heterosexual community buys into their pharmaceuticals right. because they're not going to bank off of that community. Mm -hmm. This has to would then come from almost PSAs that would have to be funded. And that's probably why we're not seeing it on other ones. Don't be fooled. It's all about the pharmaceutical companies, big business, right? Yeah. I mean, which I guess it's sad, but good in other ways. I don't know. It is what it is, but I will post this article of Alex Gardner. Cause I think it's a really good, uh, it's it's good. I I really enjoyed this. Um, all right, let's move on because there was an interesting article that Reddit a Reddit thread that caught my interest, and I want to hear from two tops, primarily tops, on your opinion. <laughs> I will weigh in on my side, and the person writes for hung bottoms. I'd like to put myself in this category. Thank you very much. In your <laughs> experience, <laughs> in your experience, do you think that smaller tops feel intimidated by big dick bottoms? Interesting thread. Um, somebody wrote, I've only been told it turns them on. Same for me, even more so since I've always I'm always hard when being fucked. Uh, if you're easily intimidated by a bottom with a bigger dick, someone else wrote than yours you're not a top um what you're just being self too self-conscious true somebody else wrote being self-conscious during sex could happen with a number of things and is very common uh on and on uh then somebody else wrote then they should turn to bottoming so again i ask i mean as somebody that would fall maybe in this category as more bottom and you know I don't know about hung bottom, but whatever. Um, in your experience, do you think that smaller tops feel intimidated by bigger dick bottoms? I don't think so. The people I've been around with, I've either picked equally the size as me or larger, but I have. We, Cody, you and I talked about. Yeah, we did. The finger, what do we call it? Finger penis. Finger penis. <laughs> and I said two of my longest relationships were with finger penis guys and i had some of the best sex and they did not ever feel intimidated at all i think it has to do with confidence oh, um sure. but what's your guys's thought on this jeremy when you hear this i definitely uh don't think that it's a thing and i also think that it takes like a certain level of confidence to look past that so i think it it helps when you don't dwell on what you don't have and you work with what you're you've been given. Oop, get it. <laughs> I can distinctly remember, Jeremy, <laughs> you and an uh, eagle part friend of ours that we all worked with and knew that didn't like big dicks very much. Like you didn't even really No, care about I just it. you're more of a No, but guy. what yes, but that comment that I made is in reference to asking if it matters to me. Okay. So the answer is it does not, but any size, it doesn't matter. I'm just not like, that's not the body part that I like to focus on, on okay. someone else or like give tons of attention to, but that's just my personal opinion, but it doesn't matter to me if it's three inches or like 12 inches. Okay. I could see and you that. know, the, the funny thing about that, too, to your point, is that when two people are connected in that sexual chemistry that two people bring to the, the bed or wherever you're doing it, mm -hmm. is that it doesn't, it shouldn't really matter. And I think when it does matter, it means that you, one of the two of you or both of you are getting in your head on that. But animalistic sex or throw down sex shouldn't really, that shouldn't ever matter. And I think that's what I was alluding to on a recent podcast about two of my longest even though i've been told or i've labeled myself a size queen what i prefer mm -hmm. two of my longest relationships that i've been in that 
I had great sexual relationships with happened to be more on the finger penis size and it didn't matter. And I think it was because we didn't get in our head about it. Neither one of us. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on this, Cody? I was just about to say, let me weigh on in because let I weigh on in. <laughs> get on in here, girl. <laughs> because I personally have been intimidated by a bottom who had a bigger penis than me. It only happened one time because I'm very blessed in that area. So <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Thank but, you very much. I mean, but well, I okay. Did, so what happened? So I definitely got because it hadn't happened as that often. When it finally did happen, I got into my head and I became intimidated. And I thought, oh wow, I wonder if he's enjoying having sex with me. I just got into my. I just started thinking about it way too much, and I ended up not having sex with him. You know what's interesting about that, and that brings up almost a sidebar topic to this that we should explore a little bit more, is that when you do get in your head, and the one time, the only time I've gotten in my head, I probably shared this in a, you know, we have over 300 podcasts, so I know I've shared this with you, but one of them is the only time I've gotten in my head and it affected the sexual experiences is with three ways. And oh. not three ways where I was like the guest star of a couple, not uh-huh. those kinds, because typically you're kind of the desired one that's yes. brought in. So you can almost do no wrong. You just have to kind of, it's like a, it's like a part, an acting part where you just have to pretty much show up and show your face and mm-hmm. smile and, and you're good and cut your wrap for the day. And, and, and it's great. But when I've had three ways with, two other single people and i've gotten in my head where oh my gosh i think those two are the other two guys are vibing off of each other whether they were or weren't or whether i created this in my head so that i really was separating myself from the situation i have gotten in my head and then almost a couple times i hosted at my place and had to and i just exited out of the situation and let them have their fun not like i was storming off at all please Uh but more like i don't know that i'm really feeling this vibe and i'm too in my head and i'm a little in i'm letting myself get intimidated by this and i don't feel comfortable and i just went into like i have another area in my apartment where i just like went and let them have fun and then it was all good but i realized those are the times i've been intimidated and gotten in my head have you Mm. ever jeremy felt any intimidation in sex with you know maybe not the the larger dick but anything i definitely have uh in uh threesome specifically when the dynamic is just a little off or like you said they there's like one that likes one more than the other or you join a couple and the right they start to get pissy that one is all over you and it's just so that's definitely the a realm that i've felt awkward in and definitely brought out like maybe a little bit of insecurities just with when you're comparing yourself with two other people yes. in the in the act in the same moment it's definitely easy for it to become like awkward and they're just not my favorite threesomes in general yeah because back to the topic at hand big yeah. dick bottoms i mean it can be really hot to see like if you're in the mirror and one of them's looking at i mean I like watching that in porn. I I always think that's like a really big turn on to see a big dick bottom. I don't know. I just think it's kind of hot to me. So, yeah. Big dick bottoms are sexy in theory. No. In theory? (laughs) That was a joke. I'm that you don't really, in theory. I'm I'm here to tell you. That was a joke. It happened one time. I I don't know if it would happen again because I've, I've kind of worked through all of that. And being you saw some therapy or something. <laughs> I was like, Doctor Goldstein. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no. So, but I've definitely looked inward as far as that's concerned, and 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 kind of taken root of where that was coming from. So, I hear you. Okay. All right. Hey, tags listeners, craving for more tags, hungry like I am. 
Well, now you can unlock exclusive Tags content. I'm talking about our weekly Tags After Show and our twice monthly Dark and Dirty Show. Now you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get a notice each week when new episodes are dropped exclusively for you. So what are you getting from this exclusive content? Well, you're getting a weekly Tags After Show where the conversation continues with hot gay sex topics in a more relaxed, behind-the-scenes, more intimate format. Our twice-monthly Dark and Dirty Show will often feature special guests like my co-hosts, but gets a little darker and a little dirtier as we reveal our sexcapades to your exclusive ears. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe now to unlock exclusive Tags content and know that you'll be supporting Tags Podcast to continue delivering the quality of Tags Podcast you've come to love. You can unlock this exclusive content by going to tagspodcast.com and click on the link Tags After Show. Thanks for being a supporter and continue having hot gay sex. Time to move on. And I, this next topic, I want to get you guys to weigh in because it caught my interest. It's entitled, I hooked up with a dude half my age, and now he wants me to be his daddy. So they write, on a recent Friday night out in San Francisco, I enjoyed a hookup with a really attractive 24-year-old guy. We had a great time, fun sex, and really hit it off. However, I am more than twice this young man's age. So more than twice, if he's 24, what, 40, late 40s, right? The next day, or maybe even like... 50. The next day, he asked me out on a proper date. My concern is that I'm old enough to be his father. His mm-hmm. only concern, however, is that I'm not old enough and that he mostly dates daddies in their 60s and 70s. What should Ooh. I do? Lastly, wrote twice his age. And it's funny because a friend of mine, one of my best friends, was telling me that he got recent. This is a couple years ago. He got friended on Facebook, which you can't go on right now, by the way. Um, <laughs> he got friended by this guy that was really hot and was like, "Hey, Poppy," and he would incessantly reach out to him. And I said, "So, what did you do?" And he's like, "Yeah," and he was like Latino and like I don't know, like twenty one and super hot. Well, he decided to do a deep dive into who this person was because he didn't know him. And I don't even know if they had any mutual friends. He does a deep dive in and realizes that all his friends are like old, like 60 plus. Wow. Not old. I shouldn't say that. I take that back because 60 is not old. Old is a state of mind. Sorry. I really take that back. I just meant in the 60 plus region. And my friend was going to be the youngest of that area and he thought wait a minute am i just like the latest flavor that this guy but to this day i think my friend responded and was at first and was like oh hi because i mean if you get you know if you're somebody's really hot and they reach out to you you're gonna be like oh hey how you doing but then you do a little deep dive and you realize wait a minute am i part of this whole thread of do i fall into the category (laughs) and am i the youngest of you don't want to be nobody ever wants to be that like yeah it's almost like when people are like you realize oh do they only date latinos am i like just the latest flavor of the latino flavor you know no one ever wants to feel that way i think that's my opinion on that but um interesting what's your thoughts on this on cody when you hear this for that yes i've been looking for that word for the past like three minutes nobody wants to be fetishized thank you yeah what's your thoughts on this um for this guy that wrote in that was asking you know entitled it twice his age cody well it hasn't he the the um the writer in hasn't mentioned that the younger guy has asked for any money yet. So I don't know if that's the case. I've dated a lot of older men (laughs) in my day, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I date younger men as well. My boyfriend right now, he is younger than me and, but he's very self-sufficient. Why do you think I came to you first? (laughs) (laughs) There we go. He he doesn't ask me for any money. (laughs) 
<laughs> I am nobody's daddy right now. I mean, I am in some ways, but I'm not anybody's sugar daddy. Let me say it like that. I think he just should just date him and see what happens. It's, you never know what, what can evolve from a relationship or what someone has in, in mind or in store. So just kind of see where it goes. And if he's not interested in being anybody's sugar daddy, don't be anybody's sugar daddy and know where your boundaries are. I mean, it's an interesting thing to point out. I don't honestly think that this person probably was. There is a whole slew of younger men that are not looking for money. They're just actually yeah. attracted to older looking gentlemen. And I just think that's great we if everyone's hot. on the same Hello. page. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes they want him like I think this guy writing in is almost like, am I almost too young for that? Because it sounds like if we did the math, 24, twice his age, he's probably 50. Most of his this guy that he's going on the date with are in their 60s and 70s. It's not they can actually like that. I mean, recently I was watching a show and they were referring to zaddies. You all know what zaddies are, right? Like a hot. Yeah, me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not you, Cody. I don't think. <laughs> um, I recently had a guy over over the summer that was he was a musician, and it turns out he was only thirty, and but he was a musician, right? Classical music, and we hit it off, and he. He's on tour, but he's been reaching out to me here and there, like, I want to see you. But the morning of, the next morning after we had fun, he commented, though, on my glasses, which are these, they're just my reading glasses, my regular glasses, They're because they're near and far, mm-hmm. and they're aviators. And he was like, oh, my God, I love your daddy glasses. And I'm like, daddy glasses? They're, like, <laughs> kind of wretched. And that, like, hit a chord in me. Um, we are a little sensitive. I don't think if you want to be, but then Jeremy, a while ago, I, for fun, like at MLA, mid Atlantic leather, a BDSM (laughs) festival, bought a daddy hat. And I don't know why I did. I just bought it and put it on. And you were like, don't wear that. You're not a daddy. (laughs) What are your thoughts on all this whole daddy and age group thing that you're hearing? I say, just go out with him. It's harmless. And I say, have a good time. And I mean, he's not asking you to marry him. He's just asking you to go out on a date. And I think even if you're like nervous that he's going to be sprung on you or whatever, I mean, you're both grown men. So, I mean, you have control over the situation. And I think it sounds like it can be fun. You know what I just reread in the piece that I read to you guys is that when he writes this, he re- his last sentence is his only concern, meaning the 24-year-old's concern, right? His only concern, however, is that I'm, quote, not old enough Ooh. as he mostly dates, quote, daddies that are in their 60s and 70s. So what do you think about that when somebody specifically s- tells you you're not old enough? you don't fall into my category. I would say like not date this guy then because you're right, Jeremy, in normal situations, if people find each other and chemistry hits and I would be willing, if I met some like the, the 30 year old, I'm 50. Yeah. Cause to me, even though he made that funny comment about my glasses, he's a musician with right classical music we had a lot in common and he's kind of an old soul i could definitely date 20 years younger than me and maybe even 20 years older than me who knows yeah and it does sound like this specific person is a little hung up on the age thing and so i think making a comment about him not being old enough is a little bit of a red flag but like i said if there's enough chemistry maybe he can deter the whole age thing but They'd have to see how it goes. You know what I mean? But I don't like the age conversation and I just don't find it to be like top priority in my opinion. And I don't really care what people's ages are. I'm attracted to the person. You know what I mean? Me too. I I mean, I definitely have a limit. Mine's like the youngest is probably like 25 I don't normally go Last much younger than 21, that. But... <laughs> well, I mean, 21 if I'm trying to rob the cradle, but I am 30. So it's also just the the conversation is different with like the the bigger age gap. And some people are an old soul. And then you 
So it really just depends on the individual person. Yeah, I was going to say that maturity does not always come with age and age does not always come with maturity. You know what I'm trying to say. It does not always equate. So whatever mm-hmm. age they are, as long as they're mature and they have a, a nice outlook on life and they're not, they don't are not asking more of willing more of what you're willing to give then that is where the where the and i do find the age conversation like focusing so much on the number is such like a a lame boring thing to discuss like talking about work yes exactly like like that same uh what do you do i know that it's like a normal icebreaker but it also just isn't usually that interesting yeah i mean in some cases it is but it's just i like things like what kind of art do you like or what what music do you listen to and stuff like that so i just feel like it's not something to dwell on and just because this person had wrote yeah and i do think in this instance because the guy you know they always say my angelou people show you who they are when the guy said you might you're you're not really old enough. He's kind of telling him, mm-hmm. essentially, in this particular story, he's kind of telling him, you're not really old enough. Then I would say, then skip it, because, or, or maybe pinpoint him. Maybe go on a few more dates if the guy's willing to, or did, you, or did he say that because that's a cutoff, like you're really not old enough, and he, maybe he has his... Like we were talking about Cameron Diaz that she was talking about dating recently on a recent podcast. And she said, really do figure out if on the first date, if someone's right for you and whether they have all the criteria that you have. And I think most of us, Cody, we were like, that's too much, right? On a first date, maybe this is a deal breaker (laughs) for the, for the 24 year old. And then maybe pinpoint him. Is this a deal breaker or are you willing to kind of like go on a few more dates because the sex is good and we're enjoying each other's company? If the answer is no, then then, you know. Right. Then there's your answer in itself. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck on that. And lastly, uh, Instinct Magazine recently with their staff shared some stories of their very first gay bar and i will post this on tagspodcast.com but it got me thinking about my first experience in your guys's and i'm just wondering because going to your very first gay bar produced at least for me a lot of nerves anxiety but at the same time excitement of something new and all of those emotions were bubbling under like a drug that of the unknown and what could be and it was just so exciting i will say going to your first gay bar at least for in my opinion had to be with somebody you could trust and a friend jeremy do you have a first gay bar story and what were your feelings like yeah so mine was actually uh it was a club and it was uh van damme at greenhouse so it was the gay sundays and i i was 18 and I had just oh, moved to go. New York <laughs> and uh, had a fake ID, of course. Yes. And and I just like was mesmerized by the space and everything because when you're like young and gay and you're like, you have a very, I felt like my fantasy in my head, creative senses were like a lot more heightened when I was younger. And so walking into that space of everything being sparkly and all the crystals hanging from the ceiling and the LED lights in the walls. Yeah. And then so many good looking gay guys and a bitchy door girl and all that kind of stuff was like so (laughs) new to me that it was like funny and it was amazing. And I just really, really loved it. Would you say you had more anxiety or excitement? No, definitely excitement. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cody, what was your thoughts on your first bar experience? So my first gay bar was Private Eyes in Norfolk, Virginia. Private (laughs) Eyes. Okay. Is it still there? I don't think it is. Because Oh, by the way, Jeremy, yours is not there anymore. No, it's not. It's closed, unfortunately. Yeah. But I've been in Greenhouse plenty of times back in the day, and it was amazing the the gay sunday nights were just such a blast Epic. Yeah, so much fun but private eyes was so much fun as well and i just remember going out i was part of the lgbtq 
uh, gay straight alliance in my college, and I just went with a bunch of those people to. They took me out. Oh, the what private. a great grouping to go out with! I for know, those. right? It was so much fun. They were they were so much fun, and I miss those guys. I need to sit, reach out to them on Facebook if it was working. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the one of the first times that I could go out and just let my hair down and feel safe and just just be my authentic gay self and it was amazing so that's the that's the feeling that i get every time i go into a gay bar now so always chasing that feeling well thank you for sharing that story and i can happily report for all you facebookers it looks like facebook is back up so we were almost seven hour mark and it's back up and running so they figured out something i don't know what but just checking on instagram because of course when you hear this Yep, Instagram is back up. So obviously when you hear this, you'll know that that's when we recorded it the night before. Interesting. We'll have to get the lowdown on what went on. Keep up on that. Um, my bar story, my first bar was in the early 90s, and it was in Berkeley. I went to UC Berkeley, and I had befriended a guy that was bisexual. He had a girlfriend, and he was so hot. We had sex, and then he introduced me to his girlfriend. Wah, wah. But honestly, <laughs> the three of us were thick as thieves, and she became one of my best friends at the time. And the three of us ran around, and she accepted his bisexuality, and we had some great times. There was a bar, a, like a bar in Berkeley on Shattuck Avenue, and if somebody remembers it, DM, you can now DM me at Tags Podcast, because we're back up and running. Um DM me because I can't, I was trying to rack my brain what it was called. It was a really cool cavernous bar on Shattuck Avenue that wasn't really dance bar-y, but it was kind of big. They ended up closing midway through the years and then opened up in another place. And I don't know that it's open even there now, but I remember being so nervous, but like a lot of people have talked about excited at the same time. And because at the time I trusted my friend who had been there a couple times before me and who was a little bit older than me, I felt like, see, that's the thing you have to go with. You have to trust at least the person that you're going with. Right. And I had that trust and I think I was 20 years old. So I had this fake ID and I think part of the nerves were, oh, my God, I've never used this fake ID. And it was his old because we were both (laughs) Mexican-American and we were both brown. And so I just inherited his. And like I said, he was two years older than me. So but, you know, at that time, you're brown. It's you. Right. I mean, so (laughs) I used it and got in. So I was nervous about that. I was nervous about going into just anxiety. But then I felt like I was in a safe zone with my friend. And then, I mean, oh my God, just, I was elated and couldn't wait to go back. I mean, it became, gay bars like that at that time became this destination, right? You, when Monday rolled around, you were so ready for Saturday night again, right? Mm -hmm, Like, how can we recreate this again and of course you can never recreate it again yeah, not your first time at least not your first time but you can have other experiences and equally and yeah didn't take yeah. me long to become a go-go dancer after that yeah. <laughs> here we go right yeah oh but so fun right walking down memory lane on that definitely thanks for sharing that was a lot of fun all these uh things will be on textpodcast.com and go back to your social media you guys you can always follow jeremy ross lopez on instagram at j ross lopez j ross lopez follow cody at mr maurice mr maurice and dm us if you want sex or relationship advice or just say hi weigh in on a hot topic at tags podcast and in the meantime guys thanks so much continue having hot Hot gay 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 sex. sex